Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We have become the source of authenticity and exactitude. Why? Because you have all identified our show as the guideposts for truth seekers everywhere. The Point is the home of factualism. Thanks to all of you for tuning in today. We do have an action-packed show, and we'll be moving seamlessly at the speed of sound. We're going to provide an explanation to the unexplainable. We also discuss and expose the media malpractice occurring every day on the Pravda Propaganda Fake News Networks. In times of political upheaval, folks, and turmoil, we will always unpack the truth in a way that does pack a punch. Thanks for being with us today. I wanted to chat a little bit about the uh, the Democrat-run cities that are melting down with crime. Folks, we're not talking about war-torn Baghdad. I mean, we're, with this New York City, Chicago, Seattle, Philadelphia, Portland, all these cities that are Democrat-run cities, okay, I mean, you've got crime is, is up. I mean, the shootings are... Shootings and murders are about where they were this point for the entire year last year. We, we've now achieved those numbers in these cities, and we've got the rest of the year to go. I mean, uh, in Chicago, they're way ahead of last year total, I mean, right now. Uh, it, it's unbelievable what's going on. And again, these anarchists have now resorted to visiting the homes of police chiefs and mayors in Seattle, New York City. The New York City Police Chief, Seattle Police Chief, and the Seattle Mayor, Nassau County Police Chief, that's over there in Long Island, and 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 so on. The Oakland Mayor, okay. Look, we we've watched, as I said, murders in these cities eclipsing last year's totals. All right, um, if if this was a story in Iraq and Afghanistan, I guess this would be a huge foreign policy failure. That's how it'd be promoted on the the propaganda, but no, it's Chicago, it's Philadelphia, it's Seattle, it's Portland, it's Democrat-run cities, so the Pravda propaganda is leaving it out. You're not really seeing a whole lot of it. And, you know, I've been saying this for the last few weeks, and I'll mention it again. Law and order will be on the ballot. It will be on the ballot this year, uh, and this really is an, a law and order issue. And the Democrats are in league with these anarchists. And the anarchists are turning on the mayors and the police chiefs of these cities. And I, I want to point out, people are recognizing this, folks, in Democrat cities. I mean, I think that the surge that we're seeing in polling right now for Trump is likely due to the fact that People in these cities are recognizing that Democrats and law and order go hand in hand. I should say Democrats and lawlessness go hand in hand. And I think that's why they're running from this. I, I think people are recognizing that the Democrats and the mob rule and the anarchists are all in league with each other. And they're seeing this and they're afraid. I think people are afraid. This past weekend, the Berks Republican Committee and myself were where we were out and uh you know, and doing some uh, doing some roadside sign-up events. And I think what's really interesting on all of this is I've talked to Democrats that are not 
I mean, we've 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 re-registered many Democrats as Republicans, but I think what's more important is we're talking to Democrats that are just tired of this and they're they're really concerned. I mean, they recognize that the Democrat Party has become the party of make China great again. They've become the party of, well, uh, anti-American. They've become the party of lawlessness, mob rule, and they see this in these cities. You see, I don't want to miss that. And, you know, what's really interesting on all of this is that people are afraid, people are going to be voting, and I think we're seeing it now in the polls. Gallup, I should say uh, Rasmussen Reports, which is a, uh, a tracking report that I've been watching, Oh, for, for some time now, I've been every day I look at it, and I compare the tracking of Barack Hussein Obama, the day-to-day tracking in 2012, compared to the day-to-day tracking of 2020 for, for Trump. And the reason I'm doing that is because that was the re-election of Barack Hussein Obama in 2012, and this is the re-election of Trump. So these are the, the last two re-elections, this one and, of course, the last one was 2012. So I think what's interesting on in all of that is Barack Hussein Obama did not break, he did not hit 50% at all after like mid-March of 2012. He was he was basically under 50%. If he hit it, he might have hit it once. He barely, he was, he was consistently in the mid to low 40s in approval ratings the entire year leading up to the election. And we remember what happened. Uh, you know, he manhandled and handled Willard Romney and beat Willard Romney uh, handily in the 2012 election. I mean, he handed he handed Willard a very strong defeat. And Willard got beat on the electoral college end handily. I believe uh, he barely broke 170 or 80 electoral votes. It was really, uh, it, was a, it was a thrashing. Uh, Willard did not pull in the votes that he needed to pull in. I mean, I could be wrong in the Electoral College, but he only got about 46% or so of the vote. And uh, and Barack Hussein Obama just, just beat him handily. So what's interesting on in all of that is, and, and another interesting is, is how Trump is tracking. Trump recently has been topping out at 51, 52% in the same tracking report, 50, 51, 52. So Trump not only is, is tracking better, but he's also much, much better than he was just two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, Trump was in the low 40s. Now Trump is on this tracking report. Now now Trump is polling in the, in the in where he is now, which is a huge turnaround. It's a 10 to 12 point swing. And I don't want to miss that. A lot of it has to do with, I think, the, how people in, in this country are affiliating, affiliating the, the anarchist destruction of their cities, the lawlessness in their cities. They're they're affiliating that with the Democrat Party. They're also affiliating, uh, like in Pennsylvania, the COVID flatten the economy shutdown with a Democrat governor. They're, they're, they're putting that together with that. And and a lot of the other things. And we're, and we're going to get to some of that. I don't want to get too much out over my skis on this, but I did want to point that out, uh, what I'm seeing on the tracking report. And uh, again, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with the uh, COVID infections across the U.S., the U.S. infections are, are now hitting daily, all-time, all-daily lows since we've been measuring this. 
I think that's very important, the COVID, uh, the, the new infections, if you will. But what's really interesting, our COVID testing is the best in the world. Okay, I mean, I, I think that's undeniable, incontestable. And we're testing more people than the rest of the world combined. That's another incontestable fact. But instead of the media touting this achievement, they're using the new infections found from the testing as a cudgel, if you will. The testing, folks, is showing the infections, most, most of which amount to nothing. Now, if we tested less, like in Europe, we, we would show fewer cases, like in Europe, okay? But our massive capability of testing, instead of being praised as, a, as an achievement, is being used as a point of scorn. I don't want to miss that. The prop the propaganda, fake news, and the phony experts that they're putting out there and the phony journalists, they all cried, they all wanted and decried wanting more testing. We need testing. We need testing. Now, you have to ask yourself, why were they pushing for testing? They weren't pushing for testing during the H1N1. Matter of fact, they stopped testing during the H1N1. Uh, when O'Biden... When Obama-Biden decided not to do any more testing for the H1N1, they didn't. And we still had over 60,000 deaths that year uh, due to the swine flu. But they, there was no testing because they, they, they understood, at least they understood, uh, Obama-Biden and the media, that the testing would put the infection rates out there and that would raise the ire of the public and cause public panic. So they didn't want that. So fast forward to the covid and now all of a sudden, we see the prop, the propaganda, phony fake news, and the fake journalists, and of course the Democrats in league with them, calling for more testing. Why? Because they want to perpetuate the fear by showing the infections. Folks, that's truly sad. It's impossible. It has become impossible. And I want to point this out. It has become abjectly impossible to attribute the media's malpractice, the media's failure to report the news with exactitude as simply an oversight or incompetence. It's absolutely, in, it's impossible now. This truly is malpractice in plain sight, and we see this. They're acting as an enemy of the people. They're collaborating with a political party. This is what we're seeing. They're deliberately concealing the truth, folks, this is another very significant, distinct point about the fake news. This is why Trump called them an enemy of the people, because they deliberately conceal the truth. Okay? They deliberately provide a lack of substance in their cross-examining questions of Joe Biden. We see that now. But also, in, the, in, in what the Democrats really represent, and this is what we're going to unpack today, folks, with a punch. So let's kick it off. Biden seems to be kicking off his Made in America campaign. Now, what's amazing here is we're seeing plagiarism Joe Biden plagiarizing Donald Trump's, uh, you know, slogans, if you will, make America great, made in America. Well, all of a sudden he seems to be lifting that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just amazed. But anyway, it's don't miss this. Uh, he had a recent Q&A with the media. Folks, he sounds like he's 100 years old. 
He appears confused and lifeless, holding a short list of VP picks in his hand. Remember that? He had that piece of paper in his hand. And due to his absolute incompetence, he was waving the list where it could be seen by cameras. And again, this is really scary incompetence, folks. But we saw what was on the list. And, and you know, that was all over the news. You know, that we were talking about, you know, Kamala Harris is on the list. I, I'd be surprised. You know, look, he's got he's got a real problem. And I think what it comes back to is uh, with his... Uh, Right now, he's, he just seems to be losing his cognitive ability, and it seems to be accelerating. And it's there. I mean, even his eyes look lifeless. I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm really sad to say that, but we cannot have this guy as president. We just can't, okay, because it's going to be the vice president to become the president. But anyway, I mean, these, what, what, what I thought was interesting on this is that we didn't see a whole lot of, of hard questioning. Okay, we did not see any of this cross-examining questions. I mean, Donald Trump is not afraid of getting questions like this. They were asking Joe Biden, why are you having these meetings in Delaware? Another question was, please let us know when you release your VP pick. Another question uh, that they asked him during this rigorous Brutal cross-examining demonstration that they put out there. Are there specific states that should halt their reopening plans? Boy, that's a toughie. I I mean, I I tell you, Donald Trump would be terrified to get a question like that. You know, Trump is warning. Another question was Trump. Trump is warning in his communications that if Biden is elected, we will see violence continue into the neighborhoods. How do you respond to that? Okay. Now, another one, uh, this was another really, really tough cross-examining question. What is it that voters will be voting for in you? And and what do you believe is achievable if elected? Oh, and by the way, Mr. Biden, I'd like to ask you, should sports continue to be open for business? And Mr. Biden, I got, I got an intersectional question for you. Do women have a fair chance at success currently? Now, Now, this is amazing to me. Okay, but let's let's get to the questions that, well, I would have asked if I was there. Some of the questions that uh, I think should have been asked of of make China great again, make America less competitive again, Joe Biden, because he wasn't asked anything driving. So these are the questions I think he could have been asked, but he wasn't. One question would be, what did Obamanomics and Bidenomics do for our country? What did Obamanomics and Bidenomics do for the American worker in the middle class? How did Obamanomics and Bidenomics help blue-collar jobs in this country and help solve inner-city poverty? You see, that would have been a good question because the answer to all of that would be it didn't. It didn't help anything. And quite frankly, it did nothing but halt jobs. But don't worry, he wasn't asked that question. Here's another question he could have been asked. Do you support abortion on demand up to the birth of the baby? Or another question would be, what are your thoughts on Margaret Sanger, the founder of eugenics and abortion that was praised by Adolf Hitler? I mean, what, what, what's your thoughts on Margaret Sanger? Well, how about this one? Which do you prefer, America first or globalism? Now, these are some questions I think Biden could have been asked, too, and, and he wasn't. Do, I mean, I'm just going to rifle through these, so hang with, hang with me here, okay? 
Do you support a wealth tax? Do you support raising corporate taxes? Do you want to eliminate and outlaw private health care insurance? Do you support the Green New Deal and the elimination of effective, efficient fossil fuels? Do you support favored nation status for China? Uh, do you want government health care for all illegal immigrants? Do you support eliminating the border walls? Do you support legalizing undocumented border crossings? Do you support defunding or diverting resources from ICE? Do you support defunding or diverting resources from the police? Do you support sanctuary cities? Do you support the elimination of all student loan debt? Do you support eliminating the Electoral College? Do you support stacking the Supreme Court? And Mr. Biden, do you support Second Amendment rights? And Mr. Biden, do you support free speech zones? What do you propose to eliminate violence in the cities? And do you support eliminating our suburbs by eliminating local zoning laws by way of signed agreements as a string attached to U.S. government funding for public parks and other public facilities? I would like to have heard Joe Biden answer those questions, but don't worry, they protected him from those questions. You know, folks, the Democrat Party, okay, the Democrat Party is all about the eliminating of gang databases, the eliminating of qualified immunity. The Democrats want to eliminate disorder crimes. The Democrats want to eliminate cash bails. They've already done it. And they've done this, the aforementioned, with disorder crimes and they and the gang databases. They're, they're not working with federal law enforcement to try to get dang, uh, illegal uh, aliens that are in gangs thrown out of the country. You know, the Democrats want to defund the police. They want to eliminate immigration customs enforcement, ICE. They want open borders. They want sanctuary cities. The Democrats want to rewrite the Constitution. The Democrats want to eliminate the Electoral College. The Democrats want to stack the Supreme Court. The Democrats want to cut away at our Second Amendment rights. The Democrats want to regulate free speech to free speech zones. And they want to intimidate people who speak against their agenda. Folks, the Democrats want universal basic income. The Democrats are not looking for success for Americans. The Democrats want to institute a wealth tax. The Democrats want to raise corporate taxes. The Democrats want to eliminate and outlaw private health care insurance. The Democrats want to eliminate and outlaw effective, efficient fuels. And the Democrats want to interfere with companies to the point where they will tell the companies who to hire and who to promote. Folks, this is absolutely insane. And no longer will competency, education, and incentive be the decider for who to hire and who to promote. No, it's going to be in the hands of the Democrats and big government. And that's why I think they're going to lose. However, the disservice, I think, on all of this is we do not hear the media bringing up any of this stuff. Okay, the media is not asking any of these questions. They're not going anywhere with this. And I don't want to miss that. 
Because many of the people out there today that watch the news, okay, don't really see or understand that Biden, he opposes school choice for poor Americans. And Biden's, you know, I mean, Biden doesn't admit that household median income under Trump was at $67,000 per year. He did, he denies that or doesn't want to admit to it or doesn't talk about it. He denies that unemployment with women was at three and a half, three 3.4% and 5.4% with African-American women before the pandemic. It was the lowest ever. See, he won't go there. And the media doesn't take him there. See, this is where I'm at with the cross-examining of the questions, okay? He's not being asked any of the questions about what's in the Democrat platform. Everything I've mentioned in the last 10 minutes has been in the Democrat debates. It has come up in the debates. It is in their platform, folks. Don't miss it. I'm not just making this up. This is all stuff that they had and they discussed and they debated. When they talked about when they talked about Medicare for all, including illegal immigrants, Joe Biden raised his hand along with everybody else. So if he was to say today that he doesn't support that, my question would be, well, well, then why did you raise your hand on this? Which Joe Biden was lying? Were you lying to the Democrat voters in the primary debate or are you lying to American voters today? I mean, it could be both people are lying. It could be that he's just a situational ethics type person and he'll lie just to achieve his end. But whatever the case is, folks, the Democrats are for all those horrible ideas, all those bad ideas that will take down this country. And Joe Biden is not being asked any of that. No, Joe Biden was asked tough questions like, uh, you know, should sports continue to be open for business? You know, I mean, you know, let us know when you'll release your VP pick. I mean, why are you having these press conferences in Delaware? But he's not being asked any policy questions, no. And I think that's the disservice to the American people. That's what I don't want our listeners to miss. Because truly, folks, it is a disservice to the American people. When you see when you see the public not getting the breakdown of a policy of a candidate, I, I can't imagine in the year 2020 that we would not have a media that knows how to get a candidate to expound distinctly on their policy platform. I, I just I just, I mean, I'm, I'm speechless with that. It's, it's truly the unexplainable, and I'm trying to bring it to you here, and I'm trying to explain it to you, but it really does sound like something out of the fifth dimension, because it really is. I mean, the only answer that we can come up with is that they're in league with these people, that they're in league with the Democrat Party, that the Pravda propaganda has become a political arm of the Democrat Party. And this is why I'm saying this. This is why I believe they're an enemy of the people, and and I believe that they're deliberately obfuscating the facts because, folks, the evidence is there. You don't see the questioning. I can promise you this. If Donald Trump was to be sitting down being questioned by the media, we saw the press conferences with Trump. We saw the pressers. I mean, we watched the press conferences with Donald Trump as he, well, when he was doing the, the COVID daily updates, how he would put out all these facts and all these figures and all these statistics 
and all these strategies were being spelled out. And the media, when they got to their questions, none of the questions were about what he just talked about. Everything was about the nuance and hyperbole that they were trying to promote. It was not anything on what was just talked about. You know, they didn't they weren't they weren't looking for further explanation or further diving into some of the things that he talked about. They just wanted to talk about something totally unrelated. I tell you, if you don't believe it, go back to some of the news conferences and just go to the pressers. Just go to the press conferences at the end and you'll see the questioning and how they go about it with Trump, but how they went about it and how the questions were a deliberate attempt to portray Trump as you know, doing something wrong or, 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 you know, it was just amazing how they painted the pictures. They got, they've become very skilled at that. But I, I just think that there's things that we have to understand. And, and again, you know, Biden is out there. Uh, and I think that they see that they see the real numbers. And when we were in Reading, I mean, again, Reading is 80% Democrat, just to put this in perspective. And we were on the roadside with Trump signs and we had our register to vote, you know, registrations cards, as well as we were signing people up for uh, the Burke's GOP weekly newsletter. And we were also uh, issuing a Trump yard sign. OK, folks, let me help you here. OK, we were in, in, in Democrat stronghold Reading, which is about 80 percent Democrat. We were handing out one sign every three and a half minutes. Every three and a half minutes, we were handing a sign out. And we were hearing a cascade of support as they drove by. Now, I don't want to miss that. The reason I'm putting that through, and I would tell you it was probably 65 out of 100, maybe 70 out of 100 that were very supportive of us. I mean, we would see the people go by and and uh, throw their displeasure at us. Uh, we did have one, you know, one person, I guess, uh, you know, we had a bunch of people, I guess, who threw foul language out the window and stuff like that. But whatever the case is, um, I don't want to miss this because it truly is worth noting. Gallup showed a poll, oh, about three weeks ago, and I, I'd just been stymied by it. I looked at it. I couldn't believe it. I said, Gallup is producing a poll that shows that Trump is only 2% approval with Democrats. I, I, I was like, where, where are they getting this? You see, folks. Berks County has more Democrats than Republicans. Uh, even though we've had huge voter registration swings, and, and even though in the last four years we've gained about 8,000 registered voters, 9,000 registered voters, the Republicans have in Berks County. The Democrats have lost over 1,000 voters in Berks County. That's right, lost. They didn't gain anything. I mean, even though that, that happened in Berks County, um, I, I just got to tell you, we went to the Democrat strongholds because I wanted to see, you know, we went to Muhlenberg and we went to uh, Reading and we were handing out Trump signs and we were seeing a lot of support for the president. Talking to a lot of people that are going to support the president. And the reason I'm saying this is because it directly contradicts the fake reporting from the fake journalists that you're getting every day. It just directly contradicts it. And the Rasmussen reports tracking report that shows Trump trending ahead of Barack Hussein Obama consistently for the last four weeks, if you will, 
either at or above Barack Hussein Obama consistently is is very encouraging to people like myself and it directly contradicts the media's narrative and I think it's what's interesting is I think the Democrats well that I think they're not seeing what's happening at our roadside events because there are Democrats that come by and watch and they're confused because what they're seeing at our roadside events is real enthusiasm and real energy. And it doesn't it doesn't correlate with what they're getting from the fake news. So they're confused. So we help unconfuse them. <laughs> we help clear things up. Because that's important. That's what we're there to do. And I don't want to miss that. I, I, I think it's a very important fact because it's energy, folks, and excitement and confidence in a candidate that brings out the volunteers, that brings out the people who will support the candidate in labor, time spent, as well as financially. If they don't have confidence, if they don't have confidence in the candidate, then they won't come out. So when Joe Biden does not have the confidence... You see, look, you've got to know how the Democrats feel with Joe Biden at the ticket. It's the same way we would feel if we had a guy like Joe Biden at the top of a Republican ticket. I mean, you wouldn't think you had much of a chance to win. So here comes the media with the phony story showing that your guy, your horse with a heart condition is actually ahead in the race. And you're like, wow, I don't believe it. Wow, I can't. I mean, this is great. Oh, my goodness. And then you show up to a, a, a Burke's Republican Committee roadside event and you see the enthusiasm there and you start questioning the information you're getting from the fake news is, well, what am I hearing? Is what I'm hearing real or is what I'm seeing with my own eyes real? Folks, if, if the Democrats are losing in voter registration, which they are in Pennsylvania, by the way, I mean, they're... they're the last four years, they've been out. We've been the, the Republicans are out trending Democrats like five to one. And the last six months, they've out trended the Democrats, well, at least 40,000 in the state of Pennsylvania. Now, this is stuff I don't want. I don't want our listeners to miss. When you see the trends go to the Republicans in voter registrations, then you have to know that the polling that shows Trump losing in Pennsylvania to, by five or six points isn't real. It can't possibly be real. You see how you see how I'm making the point? I'm trying to make the connection on that. Because I don't want our listeners to miss that. I don't want our, miss, our listeners to miss that at all. Now, here's a headline that the media seemed to leave off. I thought this was a headline had it made the Republican National convention, the national, the, the RNC, uh, I think this would have made a 24-hour news cycles for at least 24 hours. It would have been on probably about 800 times. But because it's the Democrats, you got to really dig for this headline. So I'm going to give it to you. You'll catch it right here on The Point on 1180 WFYL AM radio. You're going to get it right here. More than 100 law enforcement organization folks are sitting out the DNC. Law enforcement understands who is standing with them and who is standing with the anarchists. The DNC gave law enforcement direction on what techniques would be allowed to break up any 
violence. So the law enforcement said to the DNC and to their list of restrictions, we're not, we're going to sit this one out. Now, I think that's a very, very important thing because the same, these cops have, well, they've, they've been dispirited and accused and now they're being told not to use effective arrest techniques or subduing techniques. I mean, look, this is why, I mean, if police officers almost uniformly are now supporting Donald Trump, if they can see it, you know that the general public can see it. This is another phenomenon that the media just is not going to gloss over. When we, when, 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 when we under, when the media, I should say, when the police officers and law enforcement can recognize that lawlessness, mob rule, and Democrats are all to be used in the same sentence, okay, then they're going to throw their support to the Republicans and to, the, and to Trump. And, and, and if they can see it, you can believe that people in your community can see it too. I personally had Democrats come by me and come by and talk to me and tell me I'm supporting the president. People that I never would have guessed would have done it because they understand that this lawless mob rule is not going to continue under Trump. Now, don't don't miss that. Okay, don't don't miss that at all. I, I think it's a very distinct point, and I think I don't. I, I think our listeners need to put that, you know, just put that little morsel of truth aside and and, and come back to it every once in a while, and uh, and and remember what I'm telling you here, folks. Now I want to talk a little bit. I'm shift gears here. Uh, Trump made a comment about delaying the election after things are safe again for voting. I think that's interesting. Why why did Trump do that? I heard people. All kinds of different things all over the place on all kinds of I should say analysis all over the place on this. But I, I personally think Trump did it because he knows how to bring attention to himself when these people start looking at Trump because he makes one of these comments, people start tuning into him to see what he's saying on social media and he's he's able to expand his social media platform because he says things. Uh, that people want to listen to. They, I mean, what, what does he mean you're going to delay? What, why? Well, let me let me hear. I want, want to point this out here. See, Obama, Biden, and all the fake experts on the prop to propaganda have been declaring that mail-in votes are important so people can vote and not get sick. We've been hearing them say this now for the last, oh, I guess, five or six months. So Trump offers up the idea that, well, we need to make sure we can all vote safely and the Democrats and the the propaganda fake experts and fake journalists all become unhinged. Why are they unhinged? Could be because they're running a game, maybe, because they know they're behind, maybe they know that their horse has got a heart condition and when the, when the running really starts and the race really begins, which it really hasn't, their horse with a heart condition is going to start showing the heart condition. You know, former President Obama told donors ahead of the 2020 election cycle, he told them about a week ago, that his top concern included voter suppression 
and President Trump potentially casting doubt on the election's legitimacy. I thought that was rich. Barack Hussein Obama was talking about how Trump was potentially casting doubt on the legitimacy of the election. Well, we've been watching and listening for four years that the 2016 election was a fraud because Trump cheated or, or the Russians cheated or Trump or the Russians meddled. I mean, these Democrats and their cohorts and the fake news have done more to put the outcome of every election in question than anything Trump or Putin or any American enemy could ever have done. For the last two years, the insane left has been talking about how the 2020 election is being threatened because Trump already cheated. That's right. They've been out there saying this. Trump is already tampering. Trump is already working with the Russians to steal another election. So they've been out there saying this. They've made it clear. They made it appear that some of the easiest work in the world is to steal a U.S. presidential election. So they, they made it look like nothing can be done to stop so for Obama to come out saying he's fearing voter suppression and then Trump questioning the mail-in ballots and the integrity of the election, and now suddenly the Democrats are crying foul. You see, the Democrats are crying foul because Trump tweeted that he may delay the election to ensure all votes can be cast without fear of getting sick. Okay. Now, the Democrats are all bent out of shape here because Trump is talking about delaying the election because of universal mail-in voting being the most inaccurate and fraudulent way of voting. And, and folks, there was evidence of this, and it was all put out there. I mean, you, you, have, you have hundreds of thousands of votes in California that still haven't been cast. You, have, you still have an election in New York where they're still ca- counting ballots. I mean, you had the CBS did some sort of a test or something. I think it was in New Jersey or somewhere where they mailed ballots, and there was a, ma- a massive foul up with that. And 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 they're just they're seeing all this. They're seeing the possibilities of problems. Okay. See, Obama's out there telling donors he fears voter suppression, and he fears Trump's question the election legitimacy. And Trump then obliges by suggesting to delay the election until we can ensure the election is honest and all the votes are legitimately counted. And the Democrats and the fake news and all the all, you know, all of them, I mean, they all get unhinged. And, and I think they go off the rails because they, because the fake journalists and the fake experts and the fake news, well, they didn't, they didn't think Trump was going to do that. They just didn't think Trump was going to tweet that out. But they've proven by their response. They've proven to America that their claims and fears are nothing but phony and hype. And that's something I don't want our listeners to miss. I don't want our listeners to miss that. Because they know the polling is that they're seeing is phony. They know the people will not vote for a man who cannot compose five sentences without a teleprompter. They know that the people of this country will not vote for anyone that supports lawlessness and mob rule. They're going to vote for law and order. They know that the people of this country aren't going to vote for socialism, higher taxes, job suppression. They, they know that people will not elect someone who looks 100 years old with lifeless eyes and listless commentary and absolute horrible ideas. 
You know, folks, if it weren't for bad ideas, Joe Biden wouldn't have any ideas. And I don't want to miss that. Because Obama, Obamanomics and Bidenomics were everything but job growth. And we all remember that. We all remember that. So I think they know they're going to lose and they're already setting up excuses. They're already trying to illegitimize the election. And believe me, folks, if your candidate, if your standard bearer was the absent-minded professor, Joe Biden, I guarantee you, in the real world, you'd be thinking you're going to lose, too. I know I would be. See, common sense gets buried here by the false wisdom of the day. See, can you imagine the lack of any kind of confidence that Joe Biden steers within the Democrat Party? I mean, it's real. They don't have confidence in him. They know he can't win. So now they got to run around with some kind of operation or something because they know their candidate is a plagiaristic background and he's out there now lifting campaign slogans from Trump. Made in America. I mean, you got to be kidding me. That's Trump all the way. So Biden thinks the only way I can win is to sound more like Trump. Let me tell you, folks. Joe Biden wants to make America less competitive, and uh, he's only lifted a campaign slogan from Trump. I mean, that's what he's doing, basically. But here's a newsflash, and this is what I want the, the media just missed this. The guy that's lobbying for the votes of Americans to be president was just endorsed by Bob Avakian, the founder and leader of the Revolutionary Communist Party USA. He told his followers in a statement, uh, I guess it was last week, that they should vote for Joe Biden in 2020 presidential election. And, and now that's what he, so that he's been now endorsed officially by the Communist Party in America. But that didn't make the fake news anywhere. Now I find that shameful, folks. I find that truly, truly shameful. You know, I, I said it before, I mean, if Americans got the straight skinny on Joe Biden, I mean, if the media did their job, they would be they would be out there clearing the water so we could see through and see what's behind and underneath the surface. The media's job is to reveal what's beneath the surface. I mean, they need to be talking about how the Democrats want to eliminate gang databases. They need to be talking about how the Democrats want to eliminate qualified immunity and want to eliminate disorder crimes and how they want to eliminate cash bails and how they're going to roundabout defund the police through diverting funding, as Biden put it, and how they want to defund ICE and how they want open borders and sanctuary cities. They'd be talking about this. They'd be asking Biden those questions. They wouldn't let him get away with it. They'd be talking about how it came, you know, how they want to Eliminate the Electoral College. They've all said it. They've all talked about stacking the Supreme Court. I remember the Democrat debate when they talked about how to do it. Some of the people on the stage, if you will, because it's all an act, but some of those people are out there saying, well, we could add justices to the Supreme Court. We can add like 10 justices if we want. And then we'll have our new presidential candidate appoint 10 of them. Now, that's their way of, of making sure that every citizen gets justice, folks. That's their answer to that. Folks, what that is, is that that's their answer 
to ensuring that every citizen does not have the backing of the court. So when these desperate governors and other desperate leaders in these towns decide to take away the rights of citizens for the greater good of the community, that these activist judges, I mean, if it goes all the way to the Supreme Court, these activist judges will side on the, on the, will take the side of the activist governors and active community leaders and other activist elected officials and deny you your rights. That, that's what stacking the Supreme Court means. I mean, it's really a scary thing. And they're doing it. They're talking about it. Look, they're talking about these things. They're talking about instituting a wealth tax. And no one's asked Biden about what a wealth tax is. Well, folks, I mean, they should be asking him this. A wealth tax is when they want to bring somebody into your house and assess the value of what's on your walls and what's in your, you know, what's in your house, the valuables. They want to tax it. That's a wealth tax. You know, they should be talking to Biden about eliminating private health care insurance and Medicare for all, including illegals, where he raised his hand. They should be asking him about this. But none of the media is asking him any of these difficult questions, because if they were to do that, the American people would immediately understand that he does not represent their their policy ideas. Matter of fact, he represents an anti-American policy and he would. Their, their questioning of Biden on these issues would give credibility to the fact that the Democrats and Joe Biden truly do want to make China great again. They truly do want to eliminate the jobs in this country to make people more dependent, if you will, on on the uh, on the government, surgically attached, if you will. Well, folks, I want to get to a little bit. We're going to be interviewing uh, Stacey Garrity. She's running for treasurer. So we're going to try to get to her now. We're going to try to bring her in. Okay, we've got with us Stacey Garrity. Stacey Garrity is our Republican candidate for treasurer, state Pennsylvania state treasurer. She is a decorated Gulf War hero, and she's a trailblazing business leader committed to 100% transparency for state spending. Stacey's running a race to win the seat for treasurer against the Democrat. Stacy. welcome to The Point. Thank you so much for having me, Clay. I'm really happy to be here. Well, great. It's great to have you. I'd like to ask you, uh, what, what is significant about the role of the treasurer, the state treasurer, and why is it important for Pennsylvanians to look and, and, and elect you versus your Democrat opponent? Sure, I'd be happy to. So the, the state treasurer's office is a very important office because Think of your treasurers like the CFO, the chief financial officer of the Commonwealth. So the person who manages Pennsylvania's money and assets, and that's about $120 billion in public money. So other things like managing investment of public pensions, managing the tuition assistance program, the unclaimed property program, reviewing contracts. But I would say the most important thing is to make sure that finances are transparent so that taxpayers can see how their money is being spent. And that's really not what's happening now. Okay. Now, what is it about your Democrat opponent that makes, well, makes you more qualified? I mean, what is it about your background? Tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. I'd be happy to do that. So I did spend 30 years in the United States Army Reserves with three combat deployments, um, all to Iraq. And of course, serving was the greatest honor of my life. Um, My last deployment, I was battalion commander in charge of an internment facility with 7,000 detainees and 1,200 soldiers. 
And my last assignment, I was responsible for personnel actions for 13,000 soldiers and civilians um, across 32 states. Now, jumping to the civilian side, I've worked 33 years in manufacturing at the largest tungsten smelter in the Western world. I worked my way up to be one of two female vice presidents, and we employ just under 500 at our headquarters, and we have two European facilities. So I'm uh, I'm definitely qualified, and when you look at uh, my opponent, um, he's basically a political insider from uh, the elite Philadelphia machine. And um, what people need to understand is he's really focused on running for his next office. Um, he is planning to run just as Josh Shapiro is for the governor's office. And um, under his leadership, pension funds paid almost $6 billion in secret fees. And one th- other thing that's very, very important is he allowed the governor to spend last fiscal year $900 million. That's almost a billion dollars more than what was um, authorized uh, or appropriated, I should say. And so that is a lot of money. And wouldn't that money be nice to have right now? Because you never know when you're going to have a crisis and you never know where it's going to come from. You mean a crisis like COVID? Exactly. (laughs) You know, it's really amazing. The Democrats all seem to be self-serving. They really are. Uh, The situational ethics, I think, lend them to self-serving. And uh, it's really important that we understand the distinction between situational ethics and real ethics. Uh, Stacey, but, but tell us a little bit about the, but what made you want to run for this job and what made you want to run for this? Well, I've been completely devoted to serving this Commonwealth my, my whole entire life. My real passion is also the U.S. industrial base. So of course I've served, served overseas to protect it. I've invested time and money to better it. It's a lifelong passion of mine. I truly want to bring a better Pennsylvania um, to the treasury. Um, I'm tried and tested and I'm ready to take on this important mission. And I think in Harrisburg, we need somebody that's going to watch what this governor spends the last two years of his tenure. And I think we need somebody that's going to be an advocate for all Pennsylvanians and be a watchdog for Pennsylvania taxpayers um, because money in Harrisburg doesn't belong to bureaucrats or politicians. No, it really doesn't. I think what we're seeing, too, and I think I don't want to miss this, but what what we've been watching with this governor over his shut down the economy for the last, oh, I guess, 140 or whatever days, uh, you know, I mean, we, we see what happens when Democrats get in charge. So here's this guy. He's running for treasurer, and he wants to use this, this, this seat, if you will, as a springboard for more. And I, I, don't want, to, I want our listeners to understand that. I mean— motive as to why you're running. See, we, we need to understand that people that are in charge that are elected in these positions, these state road officers jobs, but also governors and, and lieutenant governors, they're in servant positions. They're, they're, they're in a position of servitude and they need to be servile type people because, or people with civil, servility, if you will, because you need to have it in your in your character to want to do this. And you know, I mean, I mean Stacy serving for 30 years. I mean, that's that's in the mil- in the military in, in the reserve that is huge. And I want our listeners to understand that that's a commitment to service. And I think I, I, that's a huge distinction. 
and I wanted our listeners to, to realize that. So what is it that you'll, uh, as a state treasurer, what would be one of the first things you do as state treasurer? Well, Clay, um, first of all, I want to say in regards to your last comments about service, I couldn't agree with you more. So I will bring my Army values, values of loyalty, duty, respect, service, honor, integrity, and personal courage to the office of the treasurer. Um, I will make sure that all finances are transparent. I will use the bully pulpit to uh, point out when um, we're spending or attempting to spend money that hasn't been appropriated. I will be a leader that leads from the front. Um, I will review all bills um, to assess how they impact the financial health of the Commonwealth. And I also want to say that right now, you know, we're in huge, significant budget deficit because of COVID. And the way to get out of this is to grow our way out of it. And to grow our way out of it, we need jobs. That's right. Um, we're not going to tax our way out of this. And so I really think that we need to make sure our state is competitive because jobs are going to come back from China and we want Pennsylvania to get their fair share. You know, it's really interesting. I love that Republican answer. <laughs> it's like, because it really is. You know, my answer, Stacy's answer, and I'm sure the answer of all our state row officers that are running right now, Tim and Tim DeFore and 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 and, and Heather Heidelbar is is to is to grow the economy. Because I think growing the economy grows the jobs, which grows the income which the state needs. See, the Democrats' answer is well, we're not worried about more jobs. We're just worried about we'll tax those that are working more. And it's just amazing. I mean, it's it's a philosophical, ideological difference between the parties, not to mention the situational ethic problem that the Democrats have. But don't don't miss that, folks. Our Republican slate, Heather Heidelbar for attorney general, Timothy DeVore for auditor general and Stacey Garrity for treasurer. uh, That's 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 the winning slate. And that's the slate that's going to bring back integrity uh, to to Harrisburg. And that's the slate that's going to hold our governor accountable for the last two years he's there. And, uh, I mean, quite honestly, uh, we, we've got to win these seats. we we got to win these seats. We can't allow the Democrats to take these seats and then, of course, to use these seats as springboards to further their their political ambitions. Like we just – I mean, we're, we're seeing that now with uh, with, the, with our current – uh, Shapiro, our current uh, attorney general, uh, he's uh, he, he's likely to run for governor. I'm sure of it, and he wants yes, to use yes. this job as a springboard. And so we have to defeat him at the poll with with Heather Heidelbar. You know, and again, our, just to give you a, b- a brief little summary of of who our raw officers are, Heather Heidelbar is running for attorney general. She's dedicated to ke- keeping our community safe. She has 35 years of litigation experience protecting our civil rights. We have Timothy DeFore. He's running for Auditor General. He's a former investigator for the Attorney General Office. He's also a certified auditor for five years and award-winning comptroller. And, of course, Stacy running for treasurer. And, again, we've got the winning ballot. We've got the winning ticket. We just need to make sure we pull them off the top. I'm confident Republicans are going to win this time, as I've talked to our listeners earlier in the show, and I, I, I'm going to share with, with, with Stacey here. I mean, we had a very good experience in Reading. The Democrats in Reading are very, very receptive to Trump. And I think the phenomenon this year is going to be Donald Trump winning. And, and as he wins these, as he wins his race with, with a lot, of, he's going to bring, I think Donald Trump is going to bring a coalition of voters together, an unlikely coalition of voters 
but because they all have one similar goal in mind, and that is to preserve our country and to protect our country from those that want to end our country. And the Democrats are truly the party of ending America as we know it. And if you don't believe me, just listen to the debates that they've had. We covered it earlier on our show. The Democrats truly are committed for the failure of this country, and they're wish-casting things like further economic doom and gloom. And they're, I mean, they're literally trying to keep the schools from opening so they can keep moms home and further handicap our economy. This is an all-out push for the Democrats, from the Democrats, to to hurt this economy. And and we just need to vote Republican, folks. I mean, we need to take take this country back. But I mean, what I'm seeing in Reading, uh, Stacey, and what I saw this this past weekend uh, was Democrats supporting the Republican ticket uh, in, in ways that I did not expect. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I didn't know what to expect when we set up our roadside events there, but we were very, very happy to see it. And uh, as a result, I'm sure you're going to get support from voters that uh, now you can be a lot more confident you're going to get support from voters uh, that maybe would not have voted for you, but because of what the Democrats are presenting right now for America, they're running for cover. <laughs> so It sure is a clear choice, Clay. It truly is. But thank you so much, Stacy, for taking the time to be on the show. And I want to thank all of our listeners, too, for being with us. Uh, truly, we appreciate you tuning in to The Point uh, every week. Uh, we're, we're, we're so thankful that you guys, have all you folks out there, have made us your guiding light in southeast pennsylvania i mean quite honestly we appreciate that uh this this discussion is always good for people in 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 the delaware valley and in southeast pa and people tune in all the time we appreciate a lot of our listeners pick up the point on the podcast but others listen to us live when they're in the listening area others go to youtube uh and they click listen live there or they'll search for the website 11awfyl.com and click listen live there so you can listen live from anywhere on the planet if you chose to uh, every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. right here on AM Radio, 1180 WFYL. Thanks for being with us. See you next week on The Point. For Stacey Garrity, I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.